are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you had a great sports weekend. A lot to get to today. Obviously, we're going to spend a majority of the time on the NFL playoffs. The games from this past weekend, which created the matchups for next weekend, the first weekend of playoff games, two on Saturday, three on Sunday, one on Monday. I've got some thoughts on those matchups. I've got some thoughts on teams that didn't make it in. And when you look at it, they probably should have or at least would have been a little bit more entertaining because they came. They would have come in way hotter than a couple of the teams that did make it in. I'm going to talk about some NFL head coaching statistics before the playoffs began. I'll probably repeat it numerous times throughout the next couple of weeks. And then we will end it with a little bit of my thoughts on tonight's college football playoff national championship between Georgia and and TCU. And we will get to that momentarily. All right, let's get started. Where do I begin in the NFL? I guess let's start with this. Can we just throw out this notion? And look, this is only the second week of the Sports Daily, but having watched football for as long as I have and having thoughts on it for as long as I have, I know this is the case every week 18 of the season. We've got to throw out this notion that because a team is already eliminated or doesn't have anything to play for, that they all of a sudden aren't going to try and they don't care. Look at how many games yesterday involved teams that had no business even trying to win or putting out any sort of effort, and either they gave a great effort or they ended up actually winning. I mean, take the Texans, for example. All the Houston Texans had to do yesterday was lose, and they have the number one pick in the NFL draft. Just lose. Something they've been well accustomed to doing all season long, going into the game having two wins. They were 2-13-1. All they had to do was lose. They got out to a fairly big lead. They got a double-digit lead in Indianapolis, but then they fell behind 31-24 with three minutes left, and they had the ball on their own 20-yard line. You're like, okay, well, good effort. At least you tried, but now just go three and out, punt the ball away, game over, or get stopped on downs, get your number one pick next year heading into the draft. Not only do the Houston Texans march down the field, they scored, but yet they scored on a fourth and 20. And you're like, okay, well, you scored on fourth and 20, and it looks like it's going to overtime, and you can still lose. No, 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 no. Houston says, screw it, we'll just go for two. And they get it. And they win. And so you screwed up by winning, you dumbasses. All Houston had to do was just lay down. Not that they needed to lay down, but come on. Lose. And you keep the number one pick. By winning, you just gave the Bears the number one pick in the draft. And it just made no sense. And you would never, as an organization or a coach, just tell your players, just, I don't know, take a knee or whatever. But... Once you fell behind 31-24 with three minutes left, if I'm the coaching staff, no, you don't just hand the ball off three straight times and run into the middle of the line, but I think you would at least call very conservative plays to where it's not obvious you're trying to lose, but my gosh, what a stupid maneuver. But it just goes to show the Texans actually played hard. Um, Perfect example, of course, last night, the Lions game. I was texting somebody this last week when it was announced the Lions and the Packers were going to need the Sunday night game, and they said, well, what if Seattle wins during the day? The Lions have nothing to play for. I said, bullshit. The Lions have been the Green Bay Packers 
whipping boy for the last God knows how many years. You don't think, even if they know going into that game, which they found out minutes before the game started, that Seattle had won and they were out of the playoffs. They could not get in the playoffs if they won. You don't think the Lions were going to try? And one, it's a division foe. And two, to knock the Packers out of the playoffs? Of course they were going to. And that's exactly what they did. So kudos to the Lions. Not to mention, they were 8-8. Eight and eight. You know how much momentum they have now? I mean, momentum can only carry you so far, but it feels good in the locker room to end the season on a win and the Packers' hopes of getting into the playoffs and finish the season 9-8 and eight when you started 1-6. So props to the Lions. The Rams didn't have to play hard. They had nothing to play for other than to ruin the Seahawks' season, and that game went to overtime. The Giants didn't have anything to play for. They couldn't move up to the 5 seed, and they couldn't drop to the 7 seed. In the NFC playoffs, they tried hard, and they only lost to the Eagles by six. So just stop this notion that because somebody doesn't have anything to play for, that they're not going to play hard or try and win in the last week of the season because it constantly happens season in and season out. Now, I briefly touched on this in mentioning the Lions, but the two teams that made it into the playoffs as the seven seed in the NFC, we've got Seattle and in the AFC, we've got Miami Seattle needed a green Bay loss after Seattle had won earlier in the day against the Rams in overtime. They needed green Bay to lose the Sunday night game to get in. That's what happened. Miami needed new England to lose to Buffalo. And they did Miami won nine to six and they get into the playoffs. However, Look, I'm not shitting on the Seattle franchise or the Miami franchise, and I'm not saying you can't win next week. You are big long shots. Both of you are around a 10-point underdog already, as established by the line makers. But to be honest, I don't think a lot of people are excited that Seattle and Miami got in. And look, you're not even playing well. Seattle was 3-5 and five in their last eight games. Miami was 1-5 and five in their last six games. And the two teams that ended their season with a win that were playing way better and would have made a much better seven seed in the NFC and the AFC, Detroit. Detroit started one and six and finished their season eight and two. So they finished nine and eight on the season. Pittsburgh started two and six and they finished the season seven and two. So you got a team that finished eight and two and a team that finished seven and two not making the playoffs. And yet we get Seattle, you know, three and five in their last eight games, and Miami one and five in their last six get the seven seeds in each respective conference. Look, I know they won yesterday and they earned it because that's the way it was laid out. If Detroit wanted to make the playoffs, all they had to do was beat Seattle earlier in the season at home, and they didn't. I believe they lost 45 42. Pittsburgh, all you can say is too little, too late. You finish seven and two, which is great. You finish nine and eight. Mike Tomlin still doesn't have a season finishing 500 or worse. But you started 2-6, and six, and like I said, it was just too little too late. But, yeah, I think most people would much rather have seen Detroit go into the playoffs as one of the hottest teams in football and one of the better offenses in football, 8-2 and two in their last 10, and Pittsburgh 7-2 and two in their last 9, you know, heading to Buffalo and Detroit heading to San Francisco. But we're stuck with Seattle and Miami, uh, both teams probably not going to win. As we know, yes, anything can happen in the NFL playoffs. Starting on Saturday, every team is 0-0. Zero and zero. It does not matter what you did during the season. Once you get in, it's survive in advance. All you got to do is win. Seattle and Miami, like I said, big underdogs already, both around 10-point underdogs. 
I don't see them pulling off an upset. I, I find it hard to believe Miami can go into Buffalo with either Skylar Thompson or Teddy Bridgewater. And Seattle has already lost to San Francisco twice. I know they're a division foe. They're familiar with them, but nothing Seattle's done. Seattle can't stop the run. And I just I see San Francisco absolutely rolling in that game. Early, early thoughts on those two games. Now, as for some of the other matchups that we have, um, Chargers at Jaguars, Here, here's what's cool about football and just sports in general. Look, we all know the Jacksonville Jaguars have been a sad sack organization for a while now. They just don't – they haven't had a lot to cheer about in their existence. They've never made a Super Bowl. They've made the – they've won the division, I think, four times. But, you know, they've been horrible recently. Last year, Urban Meyer hire was a debacle. It was really cool to watch them have a basically win in your end game on Saturday night, and they're at home, the crowd is pumped, and they get that win. Regardless of if they win on next Saturday night as they host the Chargers, that's the second game. The first game on Saturday is Seahawks at 49ers because they always put the worst game first, and frankly, that's the worst game of the weekend. But Chargers-Jacksonville, Saturday night, going to be a good game. It's not guaranteed because the Chargers only won one more game than the Jaguars. Chargers were 10-7. and seven. Jaguars are 9-8. and eight. So to say that this is going to be some blowout, it's certainly not. Can the Jacksonville Jaguars win a home game at home against the Chargers? Absolutely. Shit, they beat them in L.A. this year 38-10. So, of course they can win. Um, I have no idea who's going to win the game, but it's just really cool to see a fan base get to cheer on a team who hasn't had a lot to cheer for in the last, you know, 10, 20 years. They just haven't. And now they're going to get basically back-to-back because this past Saturday night against Tennessee was basically a playoff game. And they're going to get that again on Saturday night. So that'll be cool. Like I said, Jaguars already beat the Chargers 38-10 earlier this year in L.A. So to say they couldn't beat them at home would be ridiculous. Now, will they is a different story. Then on Sunday, the first game is Dolphins-Bills. Like I said, I don't think two was playing too many head injuries. Do you think Skylar Thompson's going to go into Buffalo and beat the Bills? Do you think Teddy Bridgewater is going into Buffalo to beat the Bills? It just doesn't look good for them. Like I said, Miami 1-5 down the stretch in their last six. Not much to break down here. I, I just don't see Miami even making that a game. I think that's a I think that's a blowout as well. Giants and Vikings. I've been saying this since last week. I mean, this is I'll, I'll go on record right now. I'll pick the Giants to win this game. They literally played the Vikings two weeks ago in Minnesota, and it was tied with three seconds left, and Minnesota kicked a sixty-one yarder to win. So to say that the Giants couldn't go in there and win, clearly they can because they hung with them two weeks ago. So. Early early lean on that would probably be towards the Giants. I gotta pick a road team gonna you know, win. I don't think six home games I don't think six home teams are winning. Uh last year five of the six won on wild card weekend. The only one was the uh, Cowboys losing to the Niners. This year, um I do think the Niners and Bills are, are going to win. And then the next game on the last game on Sunday night, Ravens at Bengals. I, I think you can easily make a case that the three best teams in football are all in the AFC, Kansas City, Buffalo, and the Bengals. Uh, I think San Francisco is just a notch below them because San Francisco is still dealing with a rookie quarterback. So I couldn't put San Francisco over Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, the Bills and Josh Allen, and the Bengals and Joe Burrow just because of their quarterback situation. But defensively, do they have the best defense? Yes. Um, 
Ravens Bengals. I mean, the Bengals just beat them yesterday. I understand the. I mean, the Bengals just beat them uh, yesterday. I understand the Ravens rested their best running back, J.K. Dobbins, and they played their third-string quarterback, and they kept it remotely close. But was it? The Bengals went up 17 nothing, and I think they kind of took their foot off the pedal. I don't think that the Bengals wanted to show too much because they realized if they beat the Ravens, they were going to play them the next week because it didn't matter what the Chargers did. The Ravens were going to be slotted into the sixth seed as long as the Bengals beat them. So... Here's my thing with the Ravens. I don't know who you're playing at quarterback next week. It's certainly not going to be Anthony Brown. So it comes down to they rested Anthony Brown. They rested. They played Anthony Brown because they wanted to rest uh, Tyler Huntley. And if Huntley plays, then you know he's your quarterback, and J.K. Doms is back in. And this is a divisional game. These two teams see each other twice a year. So it would not be far fetched to think that the Ravens could go into Cincinnati and win. Now, my thing is with Lamar Jackson, and I, I'm sure Ravens fans are like, well, if Lamar plays, I mean, we can... Look, I honestly don't think Lamar playing is going to be a positive for you. The guy hasn't practiced in five weeks. If you could guarantee me that Lamar playing is going to be like peak Lamar from 2016, then I'd be like, yeah, you've got a great shot. But I'm sorry, Lamar Jackson has not stepped on the practice field in five weeks. Even if he practices every day this week... I don't think you can honestly say we're getting the peak Lamar Jackson, which is, you know, 2015, 2016, when he just runs crazy. It just There's no way you're getting 100% Lamar, even if he practices all week. And I, how sharp could the guy be? The guy's literally been out a month. He hasn't played, in, he hasn't practiced in five weeks, hasn't stepped on the practice field, and hasn't played in an NFL game in five weeks. Do you honestly think, even if he does suit up on Sunday night, that he's going to be anywhere near 100%. I'm not saying that means you play Tyler Huntley if Lamar is healthy. Of course you play Lamar. But I just don't know how good he's going to be. So for that reason, I'll take Cincinnati again on to beat them for the second week in a row. And that brings us to the Cowboys at the Bucks Monday night football. Um, you know, here in Dallas, I, like I've always said, I'm not a Dallas fan. I, I'm not a Dallas hater either. I don't care what happens to the Cowboys. They could win. They could lose. It doesn't matter to me. I don't know who I like in this game yet, but I will say this. There's a lot of things that do favor the Bucks. Tom Brady, 7-0 and in his career against the Cowboys. He's never lost to them. The Cowboys' secondary is god-awful. The only thing the Bucks can do is pass. They cannot run the ball to save their lives. So... The Bucks win the quarterback battle. Clearly, Tom Brady is better than Dak Prescott. The Cowboys certainly win the running game battle. Their running game is way better than the Bucks. The Bucks cannot run the ball. So this right now has the makings of just a coin toss. I, I don't know who's going to win, but Dak Prescott has not played well. He's thrown an interception in seven consecutive games. He's thrown a pick six in three of the last four. Uh, you do that on the road, it's just, especially in the playoffs, that's not a good sign. The Dallas Cowboys haven't won a road playoff game since 1992. I mean, that's 30 years since this team has won a road playoff game. I, I just don't have – I wouldn't have any confidence. I'm certainly not going to bet this game. I'll tell you that much right now because I have zero confidence putting money behind either team because, let's face it, the Bucks weren't very good all year. They're 8-9. and nine. And that's the other thing working against the Cowboys is it's almost like a lose-lose for them. I mean, clearly if you win, you advance to the next weeks, but – if the Cowboys lose, the drought will continue of how bad they've been for the last 26 years, 
and they will be embarrassed. And yet, if the Cowboys win, it's going to be like, great, you beat a team that's 8-9. and nine. You should have won the game. So it's like it really is a lose-lose for them. They want to win, obviously, but their test is going to be the following week when they will go to either Philly or San Francisco. But I just I have no feel on that Cowboy-Buck game. You could tell me the Bucks win by 10 or the Cowboys win by two touchdowns. I'd be like, okay. I just I just don't know. Um Brady's owned the Cowboys, but the Bucks really aren't the uh, the Bucks of this year are just not very good and they haven't been good all year. That's why they finished 8 and 9. So I don't know, but those are the stats surrounding that game. I just think all the pressure's on the Cowboys cuz everyone expects them to win. A 12 and 5 team playing at an 8 and 9 team. Like, yeah, you were four games better than them. You better win or else my gosh, the the uh, the the amount of people that will just continue to laugh in the Cowboys' faces for their just futility for the last 26 years will continue for sure. Now, here's a couple stats that I absolutely love in regards to coaching. Since 1980, yeah, since 1980, Every Super Bowl winning coach, that's 43 years, 43 of the 56 Super Bowls, but I consider 1980 and on the modern era of football. Since 1980, every coach that won the Super Bowl did it within his first five years of coaching the team he was with. You realize that? That is an unbelievable stat. The only coaches to win Super Bowls outside of their fifth year with that team were Bill Cowher won it with the Steelers in his 13th year with them. And Andy Reed won it in his seventh year with the Kansas city chiefs. But you go back and you look at every super bowl winner since 1980, the coach who won that game won it in the first five years. He was head coach of that team. Now, if you won multiple like bill Belichick, Belichick's, you know, six super bowl wins, you only go count the first one because that's what I'm saying. He won that first super bowl, I think in year two or three with the Patriots. So everyone after that, did not matter because he already won his first one. So what I'm saying is it's an amazing stat, and it kind of goes to show that if you don't win it early, you're probably not winning it. These people that hold on to their coaches, that's why there's so much coach turnover. I think these organizations know coaches' messages kind of get lost after a while, and it's kind of proven. 43 years, only two coaches, longer than five years in their current tenure, won a Super Bowl. That's an amazing stat, and I'm telling you right now, if you look at this this season's matchups, let's look at it. Now, I think a lot of people would say the two biggest favorites this year are the Bills and the Niners, and both of those coaches are in year six. Kyle Shanahan is in year six, and so is Sean McDermott. So that would actually make it number three if one of those two won the Super Bowl this year. But the Seahawks don't apply because Pete Carroll has already won it, and he won it within five years. Uh, if the Chargers win, holds true to the stat. Brandon Staley is under five years as the Chargers head coach. If the Jaguars win it, Doug Peterson in his first year as head coach. If the Dolphins win it, Mike McDaniel in his first year as head coach. Like I said, McDermott, year six, so that would break the streak. The Giants, Brian Dable, first year as head coach. The Vikings, Kevin O'Connell, first year as head coach. The Ravens, John Harbaugh, has already won it within his first five years of a head coach. Bengals, uh, Zach Taylor is in year three, I believe, so streak would continue. Mike McCarthy, in year three, streak would continue. Bucks, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 
uh, Todd Bowles, first year as head coach. So, like I said, the only ones that could break the streak this year would be if the Niners or the Bills won it, which is certainly possible. And I think a lot of people are probably – they're probably the two favorites in each conference, if not Kansas City. So, um, that's interesting. And then here's something else, and I think this only applies to one coach this year. Yeah. You know no coach in NFL history has ever won a Super Bowl with two different teams? It's never happened. Go impress your friends with that one. No NFL coach has ever won a Super Bowl with two different teams. Of course, they've won it with the same team multiple times, but with two different teams, it's never happened. Now, the only coach currently in the playoffs this year, I believe that it could happen to is, yeah, I mean, the only coach in the NFL, the only coach in this season's NFL playoffs that has won a Super Bowl is Andy Reid. So it wouldn't apply to him because he's already won one with the Chiefs. He's not coaching a different team. However, there is one team out there that could break that streak this year, and that would be the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) Another reason why I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are winning the Super Bowl, I don't think Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy, is going to be the first head coach in the NFL history to win a Super Bowl with two different teams. Remember, he won it with the Packers back in, I believe, 11, 2011. Um, yeah. <laughs> Don't see it happening. But every other coach out there, no one's won a Super Bowl. Um, uh, well, Pete Carroll's obviously won a Super Bowl, but with the Seahawks. So if the Seahawks won it again, it wouldn't apply. So Reed and Carroll are the two in the playoffs this year that have previously won a Super Bowl. No one else has. So it will be interesting, uh, to say the least. And finally, let's wrap up with some college football tonight. Georgia TCU for the College Football National Championship. Georgia going for two in a row. TCU going for, I mean, let's face it. I was thinking about college sports of the main two sports, football and basketball. TCU winning tonight would be the most unlikely national champion since probably Villanova in 85 when they beat Georgetown in just one of the craziest national championship games you could ever imagine. I mean, TCU in some places was 500-1 to to win the national championship before this season. Like, they, what they did this year is unprecedented. And personally... Would I like to see them win? Sure. I love a good underdog story. And it has nothing to do with the location, the fact that I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. No, it has nothing to do with that. I just love a good underdog story. And TCU would be, like I said, it would probably be the most unsuspecting national champion we've had in college football ever. And if you want to compare it to college football and college basketball, I'd say it would it would be on par with Villanova beating Georgetown. So, now, will they? Look, I, like I've, I've talked about a hundred times, it, it, I don't know who's going to win the game. If I did, I'd be a millionaire. What I can say is this. I would be surprised if TCU got blown out. I know it's a 13-point spread, but... If you know anything about spreads and Las Vegas lines, it has nothing to do with how much they think the other team is going to beat the other team by. It's a number they put out to generate betting money on both sides. So with that said, I I don't think I'm betting the game tonight, but if I did, I would take the 13. I think this is going to be a close game into the fourth quarter. I think that this could be 
a 7-10 to 10 point Georgia lead going into the fourth, and then it's just a matter of, well, what happens from there? Does Georgia build it to 17 or 20, or does TCU cut it to three, and then we've got a one-score game for most of the fourth quarter? That's what we're looking at in my eyes. Um, I know that, you know, SEC honks are just like, there's no way a Big 12 team is beating us. There's no way they could be close. And that's just SEC homerism. That's just SEC ignorance. You might win by four touchdowns. Who knows? But I think to just say that because you're the SEC, it's a little bit much in this situation because TCU is not a normal Big 12 team. They have a lot of transfers that are very productive. They have a very, very experienced team. And let's face it, is a walk-on quarterback going to win back-to-back national championships? He could. I'm not taking anything away from Stetson Bennett. But a former walk-on winning back-to-back national championships would be a hell of a story, number one. But I think this is going to be close. I want it to be close. I think it will. And I think this is a fourth-quarter game. I think this I think this game hangs in the balance in the fourth quarter. And then at that point, you know, I can't predict what's going to happen in the fourth quarter. But I would just be – that my biggest takeaway and my biggest quote-unquote prediction going into this game would be is if – TCU got blown out. I just don't see that happening. I think they keep it close, and then once they keep it close in the fourth quarter, it's anybody's game. Like I said, I'm not a person that's like, oh, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. I don't know. I'll let other hosts pretend like they know what's going to happen. They don't. But um, I'm just giving you my opinion that I think TCU keeps this close, and hopefully they can pull it out in the end. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, please rate, subscribe and review in Apple podcasts. The podcast is only, you know, two weeks old. Now we're starting week two. It'd be really nice of you to, uh, review and rate it. Hopefully you rate it five stars. It really helps the podcast. So thank you very much. And we will be back tomorrow with yet another sports daily. So thanks for listening. And remember sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.